Better than this, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the show. Happy November, everyone. Kyle, welcome. I'm having a hard time right now. Not because people are, like, putting up Christmas decorations in my neighborhood right now. (laughs) No, they're not. Anything like that. Uh, there's one person down the street. Yeah, that's what they're Yee. that's what they're doing this morning. Um, I'm reading a quote that Rich Eisen, Rich Eisen just shared from Deshaun Watson, and I'm having a very hard time wrapping my mind around it. And I, we were in the pre-show, and I told you I read this quote and it blew my mind, and I haven't told you what it says yet. So this is going to be your authentic reaction to this this statement from Deshaun Watson. Are you ready? Yeah. Here's what Eisen tweeted out. It's a picture of the play uh, of the touchdown pass that he threw to Darren Fells, right? When he got kicked in the mm-hmm. eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a video, it's a video of that play. And Rich Eisen says, in our NFL Network broadcast meeting here in London, Deshaun Watson said when he reached for his helmet on the play, referring to the touchdown pass to Darren Fells, he wasn't readjusting his helmet but rather he was feeling his eye to see if it was still there mm. after taking a direct hit from Arden Key's foot. <laughs> oh, wow. This he- dude, <laughs> mid-play, reached up to check to see if his eyeball was still in its socket and then threw a touchdown pass to win the football uh, game. That's bananas, man. That's bananas. How do you keep your composure if there's any question in your mind that my eyeball might be gone? <laughs> yeah, I'm dropping the football. I'm taking off my helmet and I'm yeah. running off the off the field. It's over for me. That's nuts. We don't deserve Deshaun Watson. We don't. He's so good. Now, do you remember when they asked or when when Dabo Swinney said that he was like the Michael Jordan of football? Yeah. Passing on him would be like passing on Michael Jordan. Yep. He said it and he was right. I was going to say, we're getting there, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. And that's no slight to Patrick Mahomes or any of of the other great young quarterbacks, but Deshaun does stuff on a weekly basis, it seems like. That is just spectacular, highlight reel, defies logic kind of football. And Mahomes does that too. But I don't know, man. Deshaun's a special, special football player. And if you ever needed any reinforcement of that, he thought his eyeball might have fallen out and still threw a touchdown pass on the same play. I feel the need to bring this up. I had a conversation actually it was on a radio hit I did recently and we were talking about Watson. We were talking about the landscape of that. Was it 17 quarterback class and yes. you know, where, where everyone had everyone and you know, why 
these guys weren't top of the first round picks in terms of Mahomes and Watson. And I said, you know, I, I thought long and hard about my report on Deshaun Watson. And I think it was really easy to recognize some really exciting playmaking ability and what he was able to accomplish at Clemson. Nothing short of legendary. But I had two big warts on him, deep accuracy and decision-making. Yep. And I don't think those were f- unfair things to be mindful of and address. Do you think he's just overcome that? Like, wh- how how did he overcome two pretty important deficiencies in a quarterback? Well, and then it, it really seemed to expand – when he went to the combine and he threw what forty nine miles an hour and everybody yeah. just lost their minds. Yeah. Oh my that god! Make- now he doesn't have a big arm either. That's what didn't but- make sense though, because I don't. That was like a bad reader. You never watch him throw the football and think he couldn't get enough juice no. on it. That that, no. that didn't make sense. Uh, for for me personally, the the ball security was the big thing with Deshaun his senior year. Right, it's kind of like what we're seeing right now with Trevor Lawrence. He has a phenomenal year. He builds a bunch of momentum. And then he comes into his last year at Clemson. And the ball security kind of goes by the wayside. I believe they lost a pit that year, right? Nathan threw Peterman, three yeah. picks against Threw three picks against Pitt or whatever. And they lost the football game. And it just kind of became the narrative with him. It's like, well, you know, decision-making. And he did make bad decisions. Yeah. And I, I, I think the big thing with him is it seems like he's found the balance of extending plays, of looking to make things happen off script, of taking risky throws. Uh, I do think his supporting cast, obviously having DeAndre Hopkins as a guy uh, who you can run your passing offense through and how much attention he commands. They had Mike Williams there. At Clemson, but I think if you look at the rest of their stat, uh, their their cast, I certainly think the cast around Watson and Houston can really help accentuate and uh, help him play to his strengths better than what the supplementary cast did at Clemson. Uh, but I, I really just think it's it's been finding balance between playing on the edge and taking the smart play when you have to. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and I think, I think text Houston being aware of what they have in him has influenced some of their roster decisions, you know, really since Brian Gain left and Bill O'Brien kind of, I think being well aware of the type of talent he has, has led to them be a little bit aggressive, not a little bit, a lot aggressive with stockpiling ammunition right now to see how far this thing can go. Yes. They, they know right now we're in a window. We need to win. They have some cap space to extend, guys. But once you get two, three years down the road, you're going to have to make some pretty drastic changes. So you're never really going to be able to get in the on remainder. the here and now. Yeah, you're never going to be able to get the remainder of team as good as it is right now because he's going to command such a cap, you know, high caps figure in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially since they hit, they did not end up paying Clowney. A couple years down the road, they may get some relief depending on what develops with J.J. Watt now that he has another season-ending injury. Houston may have to make an unfortunate business decision on that front. But that yeah. would be a huge loss for when he's healthy. 
it's tough because isn't it like different injuries? Different yeah, it was a back part. and then it was a it was a back and then it was a leg and now it's a pec. Yeah. But it's like, a lot of soft that, tissue stuff. What does that tell you? I mean, you're you're fairly informed with this type of stuff. Like just does that indicate to you that he has a propensity for this to continue happening, or is it just fluky stuff three out of four years? Is it, uh, no, I, I think I think every year we get 16 games out of J.J. Watt from here on out. It's going to be a blessing. Because he's at that tipping point in his career, and he is such an unnaturally right, that's true. big, well-built guy. Like they, You don't get human beings that are built like J.J. Watt every day. And all of that muscle mass, all of the work that's involved with upkeep, all of the wear and tear, all of the, the pounding on other bodies on 16 football games and practice and training camp. And it's a lot of stress and it's a lot of management that Houston's now going to have to kind of try to walk the line. And fortunately he'll be healthy and ready for 2020, but can you keep him healthy? And once you start getting soft tissue stuff like that, I mean, that, that is the biggest indication that it was, it was an innocent play that he got hurt on. We may not get to the NFL preview because I, I want to go further here. And, and I, I'm thinking okay. if we have to call an audible, okay. I'm, I pulled up, I pulled up JJ Watts contract. And I, and I think this is going to build us into the next talking point. JJ Watt is owed 15 and a half million dollars in 2020. He's owed, owed 17 and a half million dollars in 2021. He can be cut yeah. with zero dead cap. He is it's, it's a clean, off the books, you accumulate zero dead cap space. Now, Houston has a lot of cap space. I know they did, at least before they started acquiring a lot of talent. I'm, well, I'm assuming do. they still they have still a do. good bit. So it, it may not matter, right? Like it's not, it doesn't, it's not prohibitive in any way. And so, you know, for the possibility that you could have him, it may be worth, right, keeping him because it's not restricting you in any way, shape, or form. But man, I think you make a good point there with just the body type and the way injuries are going. And it, 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 I can't help but think about Cam Newton in the same light. Another abnormally large human being with rare, rare physical gifts who now for but has been pounded for years now. Right. And since 2015, he can't be healthy. Two different sur- uh, surgeries on his throwing arm and his foot injury is not getting better. And he's going to see uh foot specialist this week. I listened to Josina Anderson today on, uh, Charlotte Sports Radio discuss how the foot's just not healing the way that he was expecting and hoping for, and he hasn't had surgery. And uh, the reality is, he doesn't understand if he's supposed to. Uh, what type of rest is required for him to, you know, really get the healing that he's hoping for? If it's active rest or literally bed rest, and he searching for answers, and there's frustration there. I mean, these are really rare specimens, and it's disappointing because, man, when those guys are on some of the most dynamic football players you'll ever watch. But I think it's time to push the panic button on both these guys. Yeah. I mean, like I said, JJ is what? 31, 30, he, uh, 30, 30 on the dot, 30 Young on man. the dot. Young man. Uh, a lot of life ahead of him. Jeez. So man, yeah. I don't know what JJ's aspirations are. I don't, I don't know what, he would like to do in life after football, but, and 
But I think when you see a guy like Andrew Luck make the decision that he made, right? Yeah. And Andrew Luck was younger than J.J. Watt. And Andrew Luck said, you know, it's it's second time in three years I've had an exhaustive rehab process. And, and that component of this may prompt J.J. to ask some questions if he gets hurt again in 2020. Heaven forbid. I hope he doesn't. But J- it's a slippery slope where once you start getting hurt, no, especially as bigger dudes as we just got done saying. I mean, it, you just never know when the next one might be around the corner. And it's, it casts a lot of doubt in your head. Have you have you familiarized yourself at all with like... Let me, let me read this quote. I think this is an important quote. This is uh, from J.J. Watt. Uh, Texas defense, Texans defensive lineman J.J. Watt was asked if it bothered him that his teammates made fun of him because he was too busy to have a personal life. And this is how Watt responded. He says, I have a limited amount of time to build a career out of football and be the best that I can be at this job. When this job football is over, I have the rest of my life to do whatever I want with my time. Right now, my job is to watch film, work out and treat my body right. When I get done with football, then I can relax and drink as many beers as I want and hang out and be a regular guy. Right now, I'm a football player and I will sacrifice whatever is necessary to be the best. God, I love JJ. Get that this makes, man a Super Bowl ring, please. That was in 2011. No, 14. Excuse me, 14. I wonder. He gets it. Yeah. But it's also an interesting point. It, 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 it Kind of a 2014, the, the next year is when all these injuries started piling up. Yeah. I think the, I think it was the back. Right. And then he came back and it was the hip or the leg or whatever it was. I'd be interested in and seeing he was healthy in 18. I, I'd be interested in somebody asking him to reflect on those comments today. Well, let's hope we run into JJ and you can ask him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be the guy <laughs> no. to ask him that. I, Man. I only have one follow up on this conversation real quick. All right. And uh, it it goes back to the Texans and some of the business decisions that they have to make, right? We've talked about how the Texans are in the midst right now. I think they have a three-year window right now. Think that's fair to say? Well, 2019, uh, 2020, 2021. Well, can't you start to go? You can, Watson's up for a deal this summer. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they can sign those guys. Right. But I think with the core and foundation that they have right now, and here's why. I talked about this when I put together the piece saying, you know, the Texans kind of going all in on the anti-draft strategy right now uh, is going to pose some challenges to their new general manager, but it gives them a very defined Super Bowl window right now. Uh, They will not have a first round pick in 2020 or 2021. They will not have a second round pick in 2021, and they will not have a third round pick in 2020. So in the next two years of off-seasons, they will have two top 100 picks. And in addition, they're projected to have $89 million in 2020 cap space. But over the next 18 months, they need to sign contract extensions for Deshaun Watson, who is going to average over $30 million a year, at least. Oh, yes. Laramie Tunsil, who's going to command over $15 million, at least. 
Will Fuller's up for renewal. Whitney Merciless is up for renewal. He's the guy that's stepping into the Jadavion Clowney role. Zach Cunningham is up for renewal. And every other supplementary player. And then the corner that they just signed, Gary on Conley, his fifth-year option will fall in this window as well, in which that's going to be over $10 million. Mm -hmm. Between those five names, Watson, Tunsil, Fuller, Merciless, and Cunningham, if you've got 89 in projected cap right now, those guys combined are probably going to command 70 to 75 million of it on average. So if you want to retain your core, you can sign all those guys, but that's going to leave you 10 to $15 million in wiggle room, not including Gary on Conley. And you have two top 100 draft picks the next two years. I think you have to keep in mind that Wentz and Goff both signed extensions last offseason. I think there's a precedent and an expectation that the 17 class of quarterbacks wants their deals this summer. Mahomes and Watson. When they should. They they deserve them. And I think I think they both will. So there's no there's the the stuff we talk about with like like it's been a common conversation for us. We talk about teams trading back up into the first round to get a quarterback so they get that fifth year of control. No, nah, dude, like <laughs> this is a different conversation now. Yeah, it's it doesn't go by the wayside now. Yeah. yeah. After, as soon as they're if eligible to hit. talk and yeah, you're paying them. You're paying them the the the, the, the big deal after year three. But you know what? That's good business, though. That's a good message to send to your players. If you come I, in and you perform well, we're mm-hmm. going to reward you and we're going to take care of you. Yes. I think that's a. I think that that is more valuable than stringing a guy out and getting him into a, a franchise tag situation, like what Washington did with Kirk Cousins for two years. Just pay him if you want to pay him. If you're going to pay him, if he's your guy, pay him. But I think the important takeaway here is that we have to be mindful of this when we're talking about late first round quarterbacks and those windows, right? Like the windows aren't what we think they are. It's not a five-year window to build this remainder of team and win with a quarterback on a rookie deal. Like, no, it's three. It is is if you have $90 million in cap space like Houston does. Sure. Sure. And that's where this. But when they get to 2021. Yeah. And they've committed all their cap space. And now you've got marginal cap space, no assets to trade for additional players because you've traded all your assets over a two-year time span two years ago. You can't replenish the roster and replace exiting veterans with cheap young rookie talent. It puts you in a bind. You got to have first-round picks, right? Like You have to continue to add premier talent to your roster through the draft and get non-quarterbacks, right? Because we haven't quite seen this shift to other positions quite yet. You have to be able to replenish that with first-round picks. And I think that's what's going to make this a little bit difficult in Houston is because they don't have first-round picks or second-round picks, really, to uh, replenish like they need to. And and so it, it's, it's going to be challenging. Colossal failure on their part to get appropriate value for Jadavion Clowney. That's a good point. That, Why have I not That is about the that? biggest sunk cost for the Houston Texans is to let Clowney walk for two linebackers that play 5% of your snaps and a third-round pick. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders got a bigger return. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> if they would have flipped him in the offseason and got an extra first-round pick. 
Yeah, All of a sudden, bad. we're talking about the Houston Texans. Every single move that you can yeah. make, if you trade out of the first round with that pick you get for Clowney, you've replaced everything he gave up. We don't talk about it enough, man. We don't. That's a good point. That's a really good point. They needed to get that. There's no reason to got not get a one for Clowney. There's no reason for it. Well, a there three is and two backup linebacker. And, and there is once you get into the season and you can't sign into a contract extension if you trade for him because the deadline passed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just zero foresight on their part. Same thing with Trent Williams. Yeah. You, you were telling me, that, I mean, that, that's, share that story with the listeners in case they don't know about the Dorsey situation and the first round pick and all that and the phone calls that happened since. So they said six weeks ago, before the trade deadline, the, the Cleveland Browns, John Dorsey called the, the Washington Redskins and said, I'll give you my first round pick in 2020 for Trent Williams. And Bruce Allen said, Trent's not up for trade. No, thank you. So this gets to the trade deadline. 48 hours before the trade deadline, six games have passed. Cleveland, I think, goes one in four in those games that they played (laughs) without a a quality left tackle. Benched Greg Robinson along the way. Washington calls up John Dorsey. Hey, John, you still want to give us that first round pick for Trent? We'll let you have him. John Dorsey hung up the phone. He said, how are you going to let six weeks go by and effectively tank our season where if we could have had this guy could have helped our pass protection, change the way we call pass protection, change our ability to push the ball down the field the way we want to without having Baker Mayfield get flushed off the spot all the time. Tank our season and then call us at the deadline six weeks after you told us he wasn't for trade and ask for the same thing I offered you six weeks ago. Ask Piss them. off, man. Yeah. And then Trent ask Williams them. comes out and makes the revelation that he made. Not Not even getting into the fact that this was uh, a, a life-threatening situation with the cancer that Washington just seemingly glazed over. But the fact that he felt like they held him the entire time and didn't make him available until there were only 48 hours left because, and this is this Trent Williams said this, he felt like he wasn't made available on the trade block until 48 hours before the trade deadline because they knew that wasn't enough time to get a deal done so that Washington could turn around to Trent and say, see, nobody wanted you. Jeez. You're stuck with us. How do you do it? How do you, how do you do it? Oh man. I didn't know that. I didn't think about that. That's nuts. Well, I guess we've kind of gotten off Houston, so that's good. You want to talk about the rest of the rest of the slate this week real quick? Huh. Yeah, we, we ought to talk about it a little bit. Uh, All right. Patriot Ravens, right, man? Eight, eight, the Sunday night game. Our Fast Ravens game. off the bye. Listen, I think if there is a team that can stress New England a little bit in the immediate future, it is Baltimore. Because they put you in a bind, they put you in a conflict with the speed in the backfield, the speed at wide receiver, Lamar Jackson can thrive off script. I think there's something there. Uh, The question is really, what can Baltimore defensively do to hold up against the Pats? And if you are able to get ahead of them and force them into being one-dimensional, I do think the Ravens have enough pass rush where they can get a little something cooking in the pass rush. One thing to keep in mind with the the Patriots and and their defense, it's been unbelievable, right? But they're like, I don't think they have a ton of speed in their front seven. No, they rarely do. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Well, 
all right. <laughs> well, I've got multiple four, three guys that I can throw at you and stress that speed. I think that's going to be a big challenge for them. And, um, you know, Belichick knows that. So you, you feel like he's going to be as prepared as you can, but at the end of the day, Deonta Hightower is not going to get an angle on Lamar Jackson or Justice Hill or Hollywood Brown if you challenge them on the boundary. I'd love to see Baltimore implement some. I don't say it's like an RPO, but but you can almost get like a a QB sprint out type action in there because what New England wants you to do is they want you to run east west so then they can step up with their physical corners and, and tackle you. Yeah. But if you get the read where you stress them laterally and put those boundary corners in a bind, I think that's where you can kind of exploit them a little bit. But New England plays such good defense playing inside out, they're going to force you to get outside, and then they rely on good tackling and discipline. So you've got to stress them outside the hashes, outside the numbers even, with do I step up or do I sink off? And if they can do that, I think Baltimore can can have offensive success against the Pats. It's in Baltimore, too. Yes, and Baltimore's coming off the bye. I don't know if that's been acknowledged yet. You said it was a, one of the first talking points you mentioned. I I, I, I mean, love I, talking about coming off the bye. I just get a little excited about you it. Do. You do. You're big, you're <laughs> big coming off the bye. You're in a big who do they play next, Scott. Those are, yes. That's your little bit of your brand there. Brother, this, listen. <laughs> West Virginia covered last night. We called it. Right. We should have known. We should have known App State wouldn't cover. Yeah, the trap. But listen, Baylor didn't cover. Should have picked it as no. free. Can I retroactively act that as free money Thursday? No. What is going on here? You want to get to ask every time I. And... <laughs> <laughs> now you want this, man. Anytime I get a bet, I know. I'm just I'm going to ask. See if I can do it. What is it? Free money's uh, Virginia Tech. Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame, Notre Dame minus 17 and a half, I think. I put real cash on that game today. I might turn it in. Good. No, you can't. You're not allowed. Listen, <laughs> there, we have a do or die ball on our hands here. Bears and Eagles. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, Big game. I mean, Eagle, Eagles at home, they're, they're going into the bye next week. Um, I mean, I think – Having Jalen Mills and Ron Darby back is big for that defense, especially the way they play. Um, I, I think, I mean, Philly certainly found some confidence last week against the Bills, beating them thirty-one to thirteen, running the ball down their throat. And uh, they still, they're still a very good situational team on offense. I think, I think the Eagles, and and they're still in striking. Everything the Eagles want to achieve this year is still there, it's right there. Yep. Right. So I, I mean. I feel like Chicago's on the ropes, and I'm not sure they have enough in their in their tank to uh, to get out of the situation. I think the Philadelphia Eagles win this game, and the Bears fall to three and five. I think they do too. Uh, Philly at home. Uh, it's funny though; it's kind of like stoppable force meets movable object with Trubisky versus the Eagles' pass defense. It's it's like the Eagles' pass defense is brutal. What? What side of that ends up stepping up to the occasion? Do the Eagles get a couple turnovers? Do the Bears just big boy him with Allen Robinson down the field? That's the critical matchup in my eye, but I think Philly at home with how irregular 
Mitch has been. Mitch was better last week, but Mitch still wasn't good, and that's a problem. And uh, Chicago desperately needs the game, but Philly desperately needs the game too because you said everything's right there in front of them, but you, you've you left yourself no margin for error now. you got to execute. This is, this is Philly's first home game since October 6th. Um, and they've only played really? since, since, yeah, since September 22nd, Philadelphia's only had one home game. They had four out of five on the road for the last five games on the road. Now they're at home against Chicago. Uh, and then they have a bye and then two in a row at home coming out of the bye against new England and Seattle. I mean, they and had, they, the, they Oh geez. Yeah. This is not, Packers, a, this is a tough threat. Vikings, Cowboys, Bills. This, I mean, they it started off a little soft, but then it got tough quick. It doesn't get any better though. Out of the bye, they play the Pats and then the Seahawks. Yeah. So they, that's why I think, I think Doug Peter, that was Doug Peterson's message. Like we need this one in Buffalo. We need to refocus and reset the deck here and, and let's go. Let's go be the team we think yeah. we can be. And we're capable and I think it started. I think, I think it shifted last week. I think that started happening. Wentz has been good all year. Yeah. They found their run game. They have a great offensive line. And I think having Mills and Darby matters for their secondary. I still don't like the way they play, but those guys are a whole lot better than, you know, trying to have Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones. And uh, uh, who's the guy they cut? Orlando Skandrick live in man coverage. Oh, what a, what a mess that was. I think Skandrick sure. fired them all up. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> I love the Eagles account coming out. Their Twitter account came out with like an old takes exposed of Skandrick, like kissing Malcolm Jenkins' butt. Yeah. That's why you're the captain of this team. Soundbite on the sideline. And then like seven days later, Skandrick's throwing uh, Jenkins under the bus on ESPN. This is a clown show, man. I think this Vikings Chiefs game's interesting, man. Um, the Chiefs, I think um, five and three. It's going to be a Matt Moore game here. They played Green Bay a little tighter than I think people may have thought. Um, But they are in danger of losing three in a row. Uh, No, they've already lost three in a row at Arrowhead. Four in a row at Arrowhead. They lost Colts, Texans, and Packers at home. Yeah. The only win being a Thursday night game against the Broncos. Right. So Here's the silver lining. I was going to say, here's the silver lining for the Chiefs. After the Vikings game, you've got Titans, Chargers, bye. Raiders, Pats is a tough game. Broncos, Bears, Chargers again. If they can be okay. Yeah, I mean, if you can float, if you could be, you know, one or two games over 500 at the bye, if they go two and one before the bye, that will put them what? They're five and three, seven and four? Yeah. Yeah, even if they're even if they're six and five, you, you're still well, you a know, ten win team based on the end of that schedule. That two seed, I think. I mean, if I'm Kansas City, I want that two seed bad, right? Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, and Indy's five and two, Houston's five and three, Baltimore's five and two. I mean, let, that there's let me a, ask you a question. Yeah, is the AFC better than we gave it credit for based on the records that you just presented, or is this just teams playing soft schedules? Man, I think it's one of the. I, th- I think schedules are easy this year for a lot of these AFC teams because the bottom of it's pretty poor. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it doesn't look bad right now. I mean, right now your playoff teams in the AFC all have good records: eight and zero, five and two, five and two, five and three, five and two, five and three. And I mean, same in the NFC. I just think we have a lot more to learn, right? There's just the meaningful, like we've, we have a sample size. Now we we're starting to, we understand what strengths and weaknesses are. And now it's time for the gut check and like, all right, who's, who can adjust, who's going to be able to gear up for the stretch run here and go on, you know, go on runs here at this point. And, and I think we're starting to understand who those teams are going to be, but you know, the practical application of that is, is will sort itself out. But I mean, I think you just look at the bottom I mean, you look at the bottom of both conferences and they're bad. It just feels like the NFC is more competitive because the seven and eighth seed in the AFC is the Jaguars and Titans and the seventh and eighth seed in the conference of the NFC is the Vikings and, uh, excuse me, the Rams and the Panthers. You just feel like those are better teams. Yeah. Like right now the Rams are in um, trouble a little bit. <laughs> I was surprised they, they, could manufacture another move there down the stretch. You know, they moved to lead, made some some cap space, but I guess that's going to be applied to re-signing Jalen Ramsey long term. I mean, they're three and three in the conference, man. Minnesota's five that's and two in the conference. This schedule looks like so the Rams are on the bye this week, fresh Man. off a hot win in London over the Bengals. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> they play the Steelers week ten, the Bears week eleven. Two winnable games. I think we can agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that will put them at what? Well, they're uh, five and three now. Five and three now. So six, seven, seven and three. Yep. Or they need it because then they they pl- they host Baltimore. Advantage is that's a Monday night game at home. Mm-hmm. They host the or they go to Arizona play the Cardinals. Ready for this stretch? Yeah. Hosting Seattle at Dallas at San Francisco. Do you love their chances in that? I mean, two of those are on the road, right? They're on the road in Dallas and San Francisco in back-to-back weeks. And then, and then I, they finish with Cardinals Bears. I mean, I could see six or seven oh, I'm sorry, they, 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 I'm sorry. They finished with Cardinals. The Bears, I'm looking at this playoffpredictors.com. That would be a yeah. projected playoff game. I see. I can see them getting to six or seven losses. Yeah, I think they're they're probably going to finish ten and six. Would be if if you were going to give me nine and a half, I'd take the over. But if you set it at ten and a half, I'd take the under. Yeah. Well, the five and three uh, halfway, ten and six finish. Right, they're on pace for what they're going to finish. Let's consult real quick. This is the last thing I have for you today. All right. Mybookie.ag. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go there right now, and I want you to pick out your underdog pick this week. A dog that you would take. You always make me do this. And I think you're challenging me because you know I hate picking dogs. Yeah. A, a dog to win a game outright? Yeah, let's do it to win it outright. And do you I... have any... any? Here, I'll make it easy for you. Okay, I'll, I'll read you some of the dogs. Jacksonville's plus two and a half against Houston and London. Uh... The Titans are plus three and a half in Carolina against the Panthers. The Dolphins are plus three and a half against the Jets at home in Miami. The Steelers are plus one against the Colts in Pittsburgh. Short week, though, Monday Night Football. The Broncos plus four against the Browns in Denver. I got my pick. 
All right, who you got? Ravens, plus three. Plus three on the dot? Where's that one at? Oh, they're plus three and a half. Plus three and a half. Coming off the bye. Coming off the bye. At home. Patriots in town. Give me Dolphins plus three and a half against the Jets this week. Oh, that's a good one, too. I, I overlooked that. Yeah. Jets are a dumpster fire. And I think Miami's Dolphins are playing hard, at least. Yeah, I switch. I'm yep. switching. I'm switching. Fins up. You're Wait. on board. Let's go. But that's yes. going to put them both at one and seven. It will. You're right. And since he's idle And then the week? race is on. Since he's idle this week. Yeah. Finally get in a position to get the Dolphins back with the top pick in the mock draft machine, and they're going to end up beating the Jets. Just watch. Kyle, did the Bills cover nine and a half at home against Washington this week? <sighs> no. They win, but they not- win by a touchdown. Right. And uh, over under 37. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably, I'll take the under probably. What's the score? I mean, the score of the games would be like 17 to 10. That's still 10 points shy of 20, 24, 17, 17 is Washington's getting if to 17. They win by I'm saying if it were 24, 17, that would be over 36. So it can't be that right. high. That it's handicapped at 20. That this projected score of the game is 24. Uh, no, it's not because they're, they're projected. The bills win by 10. Let's not do the math. Yeah, what I can tell you if it was twenty to if it was twenty to thirteen, it'd be thirty three combined points. That would hit the under, and Buffalo would fail to cover the spread, but win by touchdown. So that's my prediction: twenty to thirteen, Buffalo. I'll take it. All right, <laughs> and you all will take that for a forty minute episode of Draft Dudes, in which uh, we managed to get most of the slate in this week. But I thought we had a really compelling conversation yeah. there. Once Joe. you start, once you started getting into the JJ Watt like injury, and I started thinking of Cam and natural roster construction with Texans, I knew we were in for a little bit of a, an audible that we did not anticipate. Yeah. So just strap in. That's you never know what you're gonna get. So hope you guys enjoyed the talk. Come back and see us again on Monday. We promise we will just be focused Kyle, on Kyle. recapping all the action in football. What? Breaking news, breaking, breaking news. news. Dwayne Haskins getting his first start on Sunday against the Bills in Buffalo. Let's go. Oh, God. Give me Buffalo plus 10. <laughs> or Buffalo minus plus nine and a half. Minus, minus nine and a half for sure now. <laughs> Welcome to the league, bud. Buffalo's going to over under three and a half interceptions for Haskins in this game. Oh, can I tell Wait, I'm, I, I am so happy you brought this up. This is a great closing statistic. Of course, I've done a lot of preparation on this game for the Lockdown Bills. Kyle, our friend Dwayne Haskins has 28 career dropbacks in the NFL so far. He's yeah. 10, in, uh, 10 in completions, four sacks, four interceptions. 64% of the time that Dwayne Haskins has th- dropped back to pass so far in the NFL has resulted in an incompletion sack or an interception. 64% of the time. That's not good. <laughs> if you flip that over and if it was completions, you'd be in great shape. Right. That's like a good completion percentage, let alone your percentage of those things happening. <laughs> Anti- anti-completion percentage. <laughs> Jesus, man. Let's go. Oh, man. They're just going to run the ball with AP 45 times. Probably. I'm going to have to put AP in my fantasy lineup this week. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. your unsolicited fantasy football advice that 
you know, definitely don't take because I'm like five and three, five and three, and four and four in my three leagues this year. Jesus, so. you're in three fantasy leagues. Yes. Imagine. One Imagine. with you. I'm playing you this week in the you're, TDN league. Oh, man. I just I was actually setting my lineup during the show. I had no idea that was against you. I'm in Were trouble. You I got really? a, yeah, I'm in trouble. I got a lot of guys in the bye this week, man. I know. I wasn't going to say anything because you had all the guys in the bye in your lineup. Well, I was when you started talking about Thursday night football or something, I was like, oh, my God, I hope I didn't have anyone playing because I did not set my lineup. And your ass was just going to let it happen, huh? That's I guess that's what you should do. I was I was just going to let it go. Now, I'm five and three in this league. What am I? Uh, You, my friend, are four and four. Four and four. But, but you know, but I've had the second I'm most. Pro- I, I'm listed. Week. I'm listed as an 87 percent favorite this week. Yeah, I haven't changed my guys. You have like four guys in there off the bye. Ben Solak's okay. team is the best. What the hell? Yes. Yeah. He's Solak's in your division. Team is crushing. Yeah. I'm in second place in my division. Amari Pooper in second place at five and three. Behind. Man. Well, his team name is Benjamin Solak. Terrible. How lame. All right. Now that you got all this fantasy discussion you didn't ask for, we're signing off for real this time. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast.